Do you want to know how to get better faster and also how to choose which skills will help you do that? That's what we're going to be talking about today on the Kathy Keat Show. I'm going to be the best version of me. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, roar like a lion, and I ain't even trying. No, 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 no. Well, welcome to the fourth episode of the Kathy Keats Show. I'm really excited to have you here today. We're going to be talking about something that most people don't really understand, but would make a big difference to how fast they could build their skills and get results. What we're going to be talking about is something called the Pareto Principle, or you may know it as the 2080 Rule or the 8020 Rule. What this rule is is it is about the idea that 80% of your results comes from 20% of your efforts. Now, the basic rule started out with 80% of the effects come from 20% of the causes. So what we're going to be looking at is what 20% of the skills of the global set of skills in your dog sport really get 80% of the results for the level that you are at? And how even beyond that, can you take each individual skill and break it down to the 20% most important components of that skill that'll give you the biggest boost in developing that skill? Now, I want to start out with talking about how acquiring a language applies in the same way so that you understand how this principle works. So for example, if you were trying to learn English, if you knew only 10 words, the very most basic words like the, of, the verb to be, and, a, to, so those simple types of words, you knew the 10 most basic words, did you know that you would recognize nearly 30% of every sentence? And let's even take this a bit further. If you increased your vocabulary to 100 words, so you included a few extra verbs to see, to give, the word then, the word most, when you start to look at 100 of the most basic words or the most used words in the English language, you would understand, you'll never guess, you would understand almost 50%, almost half of every sentence that you heard with only a hundred words. Now, if we go even another step further, if you go and you learn a thousand words of the English language, you would know about 70% of most of the things you would read. You would understand about 70%. And what's really interesting is this. Think of the effort it took to learn those thousand words. And that gives you 70% of comprehension. So if you put in the same effort and learned another thousand words, did you know that you would only gain 10% of comprehension? You would go from understanding 70% to 80% of what you read. So that's not a big jump for the same amount of effort. So what would happen is if you understood a hundred words, that's less than one ten thousandth of the English language. 
And that makes up almost half of every sentence. So this tiny fragment of the English language gives you almost 50% of comprehension. Now that idea we need to apply to our training because we know that this tiny percentage gives us 50% and then a bit bigger percentage would give us say 70%. And then beyond that, it start, we really start to hit the law of diminishing returns. So at that point, is it worthwhile to keep learning that skill? Or is there another skill that you could then start to develop that would give you another big boost in technical ability? Why is this important? Well, we only have a finite amount of time. So if we end up spending our time on things that aren't really getting us results, we're really wasting our time. And when I say waste, you have to take that with a grain of salt. Nothing's ever really truly wasted, but we aren't being the most efficient we could be with our time in terms of getting better faster. So hopefully you've got some idea now about the Pareto principle. So now I want to talk about how you apply this principle to your training so that you can get better faster and develop better skills. And I'm going to use two examples, one from herding and one from dog agility. So in herding, let's say I'm working on shedding. One of the questions I need to ask myself is, is this an important skill for me to be working on at the level I'm at? So for example, if I'm a novice, there's no point in me working on shedding if my dog isn't flanking well, because flanking is a huge basic component of almost everything that happens, whether it's eventually the outrun, whether it's managing the sheep nicely, whether it's going left and right and having control of the dog. Flanking is a massive piece of doing well in herding. So if I'm working on shedding and I'm a novice, I may be getting way ahead of myself because what a master will look at, if they're working on shedding and I was to break shedding into subsets of skills, one of the important subsets is flanking. If my dog isn't flanking right when I'm trying to shed, it's going to cause me all sorts of problems. So what a master would do is break shedding down into, I'm just going to practice flanking the dog back and forth on the far side of the sheep to start to create my gap and make sure they're flanking correctly first. But a master probably was working on their flanking way back at the beginning, so they don't have too far to come to get that flanking right while shedding. A novice, however, may have a long way to go because they probably didn't spend enough time on flanking early in their development. They didn't break it down into enough pieces. So the novice shouldn't be worrying about shedding. They should be worrying about the subset of skills that comes with flanking, which can include things like the first step that the dog takes when asked to do a flank, the way the dog turns its head off the sheep, the way it moves around the sheep. So a master will take shedding and break it down into the subsets of skills required for shedding, which is the way the dog's flanking, the way the dog comes through the sheep, creating the gap, how they're positioning themselves, and so on and so forth. So those are the smaller subsets of shedding. 
But a novice who shouldn't even be shedding yet, because that would really be a not efficient use of their time, should be working on flanking and breaking flanking down into the subsets, which again is the way the dog moves around the sheep right down to the details of how it turns on the first step and everything else. But the master already knows that and they're going to be breaking it down to that point in everything that they do. So it's important to understand what the subskills are of every skill you're teaching. And you can keep breaking that down smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And in fact, masters do that and maybe instinctively in some cases, but they're already breaking it down to the smallest pieces. And for each level of dog that they have, if they have a youngster, they'll be working on more basic pieces. Then as they get a more experienced dog that's maybe very competitive, the 20% they end up focusing on is different because they've already got those foundational pieces in place. Now they are working in what technically for a novice would be the law of diminishing returns. But now at the level that they're at, the master, now in herding, let's say, what they need to focus on are things like the turn back or international shedding, which wouldn't be a good use of a novice's time, but is a very good use of the master's time because they're regularly getting into double lift events. That's where they will spend more of their 20%. In dog agility, the master may not be worried anymore about their dog committing to obstacles, but they might be working on radical entries to weave pulls because at the world level, that's what they see versus the novice, that's not the best use of their time. They do need to be working on weave entries, but that's not where the vast majority of their time needs to be focused right now, especially not on radical weave entries. So another example for dog agility, people start working on their turns and they don't even realize their dog's not even committing to the jump. They got so busy starting to teach turns I remember very early in my agility career, I was really focused on teaching one of my dog's turns. And a top competitor said to me, let her go wide for a little while, because first and foremost, you need to make sure that dog is committing to the obstacle, committing to the jumps. And I remember really thinking about that. We very often want to get on with things, so we put the cart before the horse. So when you break it down to the 20%, a lot of novices will say, well, I have to have a tight turn to be able to compete. Well, your dog's not even going over the jumps consistently yet. So no, that's not where you're at. Because you can still win a run or have, be really competitive with the odd wide turn, but you can't be competitive at all if your dog's not taking the obstacles. So that's why the 20% is really important to understand is if you get the 20% right, you'll improve really quickly because you're focusing on the pieces that are holding you back. And ultimately, the pieces that hold you back are fundamental pieces. Getting fancier doesn't help you get better. Making your fundamentals stronger and quicker and more consistent are what make you better. So always try and break it back down to the smallest piece you can make it and figure out which piece is what's holding you back. If you find you're managing something a lot, that's probably the piece that needs the work or some subset of that piece. A lot of people in dog agility, for example, they'll get refusals and they'll blame themselves as handlers when the truth is what needs to happen is the dog needs to be trained to commit to the obstacles. 
And you are a piece in that because you're never at just a handler. When you're handling, you're also training. So it's important that you make sure that when you're handling, you're maintaining the behaviors that you're trying to train. If you're handling and you're focused on trying to do things um, like make a panel in herding or do a certain sequence in dog agility, and you're letting your dog get away with poor work, the problem is even as a handler, you're breaking down the training and making it come apart. So it's important that you do things in such a way that you can have a level of success in your handling so that you keep helping the dog understand how to be right and to trust your communication. All right? Keep it simple enough. Break it down to the 20% that matters to you right now. Get it right before you move on to the next stuff. Okay? All right. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Kathy Keats Show. If you've enjoyed the podcast, make sure to give me a five-star review on the podcast hosting of your choice. And you can go to kathykeats.com backslash support the show. If you want to make a donation to help me keep the podcast ad-free, uh, you can buy me a coffee or a pizza. <laughs> and you can also join my podcast community uh, from that page as well to be able to give me feedback about what you'd like to hear in upcoming podcasts. All right. So have a great day. And I will talk to you soon. I'm gonna be the best version of me. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, roar like a lion, and I.